Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. This is, um, shoot, it's not good if I'm crying already, right? Gosh, here we go. Um, but I just preached a sermon, and you guys will see. It's pretty hard. It's got some toughness in it. I don't want you to hear that it's not loving, but it's, it's tough. Um, but I was sitting there, and I was thinking, you guys in this room that are Christ followers, you guys know how you get a crust on your heart, on your mind, on your walk. And so this month, I, I just took the challenge as an elder, just, just a Christian guy, that I'm going to press into God a little bit more than I normally do. So this last week, praying a little more, fasting a little, and boy, he's meeting me. And so, guys, this month, we're challenging you, we're encouraging you. Pursue God. Pursue him. Pursue him, guys. Um, there's a couple things that I wanted to list off before I release the kids again. And I haven't forgot about you kids, but I want your uh, the workers or the parents or whomever to hear these things because you may want to connect to them. So this month, as I said, is pursue the Lord. Pursue the Lord. Now there's three ways. Um, if you guys want to put Hebrews 10 up there, 23 to 24. I love Hebrews 10, 23, 24. I try to do it a lot to people around me. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Stir up one another, good work, love and good works. And um, not forsaking the gathering together of the saints is the other one. So, <laughs> so there's three things that I'm encouraging and challenging you and I'm begging you almost. Yeah, I'm begging you. Fast this week. Uh, there's a guide you need to know, kind of work it out. Andrew talked about last week, fast. Fast sometime. The next one is prayer. The next way we, we can really grow in the Lord and get the crust knocked off, get close to the Father again, prayer. Before first service, we have that room. People are coming and praying this morning. I dipped into it. Uh, Tuesday morning, these are just a few things that you can go. Tuesday morning, uptown, Mike Shea, he has a prayer group for men. Wednesday night, there's prayer here, collectively, corporately. David, Andrew, lead that. Um, Then, even for your own self, step into something new. Pray with your family. Add just a little bit of prayer this week. Pray with your wife. Pray with your neighbor. Pray with your roommate. Pray by yourself. Press in. Press in. Today is the day that God is calling us to press in. And then the other way that you can pursue and grow in in the things of God that I believe is gathering. Of course, you gather here. Um, Here's just a few things that are going. A lot of them are going this week, some this month. Uh, Monday night, my buddy Josh Sanders has an entrepreneur group meeting. If you're interested in that, let me know. I can get you his contact. Tuesday night, my friend Scott Bressler has a men's group that meets, at, at I believe, at his house. They're doing a J.D. Greer study on Romans. Uh, Wednesday night, there's prayer here. There's, if you're young and you got kids, there's youth group here. I think Caleb has, has a camp out coming sometime here in the next few weeks or whatever. Uh, once again, gathering, growing together. Thursday, Sheena has a deep dive into theology, um, a class that's going on. People have signed up. If you're interested in that, let me know. Friday, there's a women's ministry fireside chat. Ev, there you go. See, I said it, babe. No, I'm messing with her. <laughs> um, but for real. And then Mercy Works, guys. Mercy Works is John leads a group of guys that go around and serve and, and serve people in the community, serve people in this church. Um, there's a young adult group once a month. I know Daniel Wilson is working with some people and trying to get these things. And then, of course, there's regular small groups and stuff. What am I doing? What am I saying? Look, it's there. Grab a hold of it. So often, so many, oh, I don't have it. There's stuff that I just listed off. There's a bunch of stuff. There's a sp- bunch of stuff you could take part in. 
God's, God may want to call you into some new things and gather prayer and fast. And that's how we pursue God together. All right, so if you got a little one uh, next to you, if moms and dads, put your hands on your kids, if you can. If you have a bunch of kids, you have two hands, that's a problem. It takes mom and dad or neighbor or friend. Or we just, look at that. Um, let's pray, pray over our kids. Father, I thank you uh, for the little ones. I thank you for the people that serve uh, in family ministry. I thank you for the sacrifices that have been made. I thank you, God. I get to be a part of that to some degree. And I see you in it. And I see you on it. And I see you. And I, so I ask those that have to get up and leave this service, don't get to hear preaching and take part in any more worship. I ask you to meet them, to lift their, their soul. I ask you to give them strength, blessing. They came in here carrying something. Take it off of them. It's in their walk. Let them know who you are in a fresh new way. Bless our kids. Bless what they do back there. Bless all the servants, volunteers. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the fruit. Thank you for the kids. Thank you for the love. Bless our day. Amen. All right, if you're little and you're serving, <laughs> you're welcome to go. All right. Such switching services makes me like have to pay attention to different times. So I do. My brain's like not so good with numbers. Um, let them let them calm down a little bit back there. <laughs> oh man, kids are great. All right. So if you have your Bible. Open it up to fur and first. I said this first service, like there's a first Colossians, second Colossians. <laughs> Everybody open their Bible to first Colossians. Hey, and if Andrew asks, just tell him Jeremiah taught out of first Colossians. He'll be like, no. Uh, by the way, Andrew is, and this is kind of cool. I didn't tell first service, but it's a cool thing. Uh, Emmanuel is being, uh, at OBF is being established as their senior pastor. And he had asked Andrew to come over and to bless that and be a part of that uh, honor and stuff. So how cool is that? Like, right, our main teaching pastor is over there blessing him. And so that's kind of cool. Anywho, um, Colossians 3, turn, put your finger there. I'm going to talk a little bit, but I wanted you to turn to it. That's kind of, that's our base scripture, base text today. We're going to hold to and kind of go through and unpack and talk through. Um, but let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word. Oh, gosh, I thank you for the word. Whew. I told you this yesterday. I don't know. I'll say it in front of my church family. Forgive me for not knowing the word as well as I should. I study it. I learn it. I know that, Jesus. I know you're not mad at me or any of us. But there's so much life in it. There's so much truth in it. And if we understood fully what's in it, we would spend way more time reading and studying and learning. So forgive us. Forgive me. And I know you have for not studying it like I need to. Be gracious to us. And I know you will. Help us to understand. Help us to see us in these scriptures. Holy Spirit, make it come alive. Change us. Don't let us stay the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You're like, boy, this guy's going to be good. He's up there confessing to God. He doesn't know the Bible. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. The, the one thing I have a pastor friend I talk to about weekly, and he's got all these degrees and super smart guy. And one of the things he and I say, the more you study the Bible, the more you realize you don't know the Bible. It's kind of like this thing, you know, like the smartest guys learn that study it and get deep and the academic, the academic side of, of the scriptures. You just start to realize it is alive and it is deep and it is, pro, it is, it is it's, it's kind of like, whoa, I thought I knew this. I don't know anything. And then next year I'll read these same chapters, same verses, and it'll speak different to me. 
And it just has that ability. And praise God that we do have the word and that we get to study it. We get to gather and, and guys like me can open it up and speak it over us. Um, first off with Colossians 3. Well, Colossians is a letter written by Paul. It was a cautionary letter as so many of his, his were uh, because some Jewish re- rulers, guys, the, as Jewish Christians tend to do, in scripture, they tend to put Jesus plus. So it's always like, hey, um, yeah, it's good. Get saved through faith and faith alone, but get them circumcised, but add this. And so religious people are always adding to the truth. Uh, And then the other side of the Colossians church that that, that the letter kind of addresses, there was rebellious or false teachers. And once again, Paul addresses this so often. And there's just people that don't love Jesus that are listening to some sort of false spirit or whatever, and they're false teachers, and they teach others, other Jesuses. They teach false gospels. They give you um, wrong. Um, one of the things that these guys were actually doing as I studied it, they were talking about Jesus is a higher being, but he's not the Savior. He's a higher being, but he's not God. And today, there are people that respect Jesus, honor Jesus, but they do not see him as God, Savior. And even in Oxford, I wanted the first church, to, first church, first service to hear this. Even here in Oxford, if I'm honest with you, this morning, under the umbrella of Christianity, I'm not even talking about other churches that are outside of that umbrella. Under the umbrella of Christianity, there are churches that are gathering, that are learning false teaching. And I'm not sitting here picking. I'm not sitting here, we become heretic hunters. Who are they? You know what I mean? My point is, we need to be aware. We need to be awake. We need to be studied. We need to be submitted. We need to be serving the Lord in and through scripture. We need to know why we believe what we believe. Um, Hence the prayer, like, Lord, help me to know your word better. Because guys like Paul went around correcting people like me or you or these churches. That's what he did. Anyways, Um, So in this month of pursuit, today's big idea is I want to talk about seeking God. Now, in the Old Testament, whenever you say seek seek the Lord, it actually refers to seek his face. Kind of cool. Seek his face, seek his face. So often that's kind of the the, the thought process. But in the New Testament, we're going to we're going to talk about seek the things of the Lord, seek him. And it's basically a mind and focus and all that. But... um, but I'm going to touch on something that was kind of on my heart. And I told Heather even yesterday, I said, the Lord just wouldn't let me go. But first, I want you to read the, the, read the first 17 verses with me. So just Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off uh, the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. The first thing I wanted to bring up 
and spend just a little bit of time talking about is up at the very beginning. Look at 3.1. If then you have been raised with Christ. I want to talk about that. What this means is if he's referring to, of course, he's unpacking some of the other things that they're dealing with in their day. But I want to ask you, have you been raised with Christ? Let me ask you, are you a Christian? Are you following Jesus? Are you submitted and surrendered to him? And if not, why not? Why not? Now, some of you, you're like, I just, this is, I'm new to this. I'm around this. I'm interested. Praise God. We're glad you're here. Ask the right questions. Ask the right people. Keep seeking. Some of you are like, I've been around it for years and I don't want to submit to it. I don't want to, I don't want to press in. I don't want, you guys talk fasting and prayer and gathering. No thanks. Not for me. Why? Why don't we want more? Why don't we seek more? Why aren't we desiring the things of God? If David's right up here and this worship team's right up here, he sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty awesome. Why don't we want him? Why don't we desire him? If he's so good, why don't we desire him? And Colossians helps us understand this. We have flesh. We have desire that, that it basically points in other ways. But I want to say this. A lot of people, in all the years I've been ministering, I see this, and I've wrestled with it in my own life and heart. A lot of people over the years believe a lie that they'll follow Jesus after I have my fun, do what I want, chase my goals, my plans, then I'll get serious about seeking and following him. Once I do it my way, when I'm 50, I'll follow Jesus. Once I have sex with as many people or live this lifestyle, then I'll repent and follow Jesus. Once I get done, you know, taking care of growing the business, being super rich, then I'll follow Jesus. Anybody relate? Do you see the distraction or the pull or the, I'll do this, then I will follow Jesus. And I want to say something to that through Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. Let scripture kind of speak to us. Kind of takes us on a little detour, so bear with me. But Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. To our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Yes, he will. He'll abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, we are living, if you look at church history and you do a little study and you're going to find out this terminology, we are in the church age, the age of grace. What that means is a couple thousand years ago, Christ, as we all call him, Jesus, our Savior, he died, he was buried, he resurrected. And the new church, Acts, starts, right? You could see it. We read about it. We know it. And that is the beginning of the church age. The church age is still going on right now. The church age, the age of grace, is through faith and faith alone. Hence all the letters, the New Testament. And you see that, that, that God has basically, in, in Isaiah, he's pointing this out. And I'm going to show you in, in Acts how he says this. But what God has basically done is to say, the way you used to seek me, you don't seek me anymore. I seek you, and I have opened it up, come to me. And that's Jesus. In the grace age, the mercy age, the, the, the church age, he's saying, just come. And who is he talking to? Everyone. See, back in the day, he was calling his people, the Israelites, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the bloodline, the chosen, the elect, as it was. Now he's saying, through faith, we're called. Doesn't matter of your, your bloodline, your history, your background. You're called. You're called into Christ. You're called into salvation. You're in the grace age. It's a window. Now, who determined that? Did the Jews determine it? No, if it was up to them, we wouldn't have a chance, Gentiles. Was it the Gentiles or the Greeks that determined that? No. Who determined that you have an opportunity, you and I have an opportunity to cry out and say, Lord, forgive me, and he will? Jesus. Jesus is God's love for humanity. We are in the church age. 
And what that means is we have a window to, re- to, to receive God. We have a place, a calling, a time, a window. And then I believe inside of that window, the 2,000-some years, there's a window of your lifespan that you can call on God. And he'll forgive your sins, as Isaiah says. You can call on him, and he'll say, yes, come to me. You're forgiven. You're restored. You're reconciled. Your righteousness. We're in that age. And then I believe, and I believe this, and this could be controversial, but it is what it is. I believe that within your lifespan, there are times where the Lord knocks on your heart. And you have a choice. You have a choice to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to submit and surrender and follow you. Or you can harden your heart and say, I'm going to choose fun or pleasure or my plan. And I believe there are windows in our life that the Lord is knocking and calling. And His grace is saying, just come to me. I am better. Choose me. Choose life. His name is Jesus, and He's pursuing us. Take a look at Acts 15. I'll show you a little bit more into this. Acts 15. So what ends up happening is the very thing I'm talking about. The church age. Jesus goes, He sends. Holy Spirit comes down. Cool things start happening. One of the cool things that starts happening is Gentiles get saved. You read about it. Peter and Cornelius' house, Spirit comes. Holy Spirit's been given to Gentiles. So the Jew Christians are actually like, what's this about? This is crazy. God doesn't seem to have a problem with them. We do. So they're in this assembly, and this is about 10 years prior to Colossians being written, the book that we're going to spend a little more time in. Paul wrote Colossians. He's in this assembly roughly 10 years And he and Barnabas are in this, and they're basically having this conversation like, okay, looks like God wants Gentiles saved. He's chosen them. He's choosing us. He's gracious. He's outpouring his spirit. People are meeting Christ, and it's through faith and faith alone. And so they have this big assembly, and they debate and talk and try to figure out, what do we tell the Gentiles? What do we tell the pagans? What do we take to them? What's important to God? What matters? Do we need them to get circumcised? Do we need them to follow the law? Do we need them to eat certain foods and celebrate certain holidays like us Jews? What, 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 what holds? What stands? What's God got for us? So look at verse 11, and he, says, and he says, But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. That's the church age. We're all saved through Jesus 12 says, and all the assembly fell silent and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. People for his name. God has chose the Gentile. He's working in a new people. And with this, the words of the prophet agree just as it's written. And one of the ways it's so cool in their day and in our day, one of the ways you test and find out what God's doing is you search the scriptures. And I love that they're debating and converting and all these, conversion, conversating, conversating, there it is. They're doing all these different things. And I love that. But somebody gets wise, James, the brother of Jesus, and he decides to say, hey, what's the Bible say? And he pulls up Old Testament. He pulls this up. And it's really kind of like, it's, for me, uh, what I best I could find, it was kind of from Amos and Isaiah. But either way, he's pulling up Old Testament. It's always wise to go to the Scripture. And James did this. And with the words of the prophet uh, agree, just as it is written, James says this to the group. After this, I will return. I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and will restore it. The remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. The church window has been opened. There is an opportunity to seek the Lord now. And all the Gentiles, amen, that's us. We're in the scriptures, you guys, unless you're, you know, raised Jewish, 100% bloodline, you might be. But most of us are Gentile believers who are called by my name. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Jesus, Christians, here we are. Says the Lord, who makes these things known from old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should, and this is what they decide to talk about to him and take to him. And this is part of Paul's ministry as he went out. This is what he took to the villages and the cities and the people. He said, trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled and from blood. 
For the ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is ready every Sabbath in the synagogue. So Moses was still being taught, and you could build from it, and this is what needs to be taken away. Not all the law, not all the other rules, but those things. And so I want to say something to this before I move on. Seek the Lord. Yesterday I got a text from a, a, a friend that uh, a business, I, actually, he, his a guy passed away Friday in Rushville. I do work in Rushville, and I got a lot of friends in Rushville, Indiana. And a guy passed away on a motorcycle. And he's probably roughly around my age. He's a go-getter. He's a go-get-em businessman. I think he probably knew the Lord. That's not my point. But his father-in-law is a good friend of mine. Um, he's a guy that I've worked with for years and I love. And uh, my heart breaks for the family because they're a Christian family. But my, my reality is this hit me. And as so many of you know, we don't have a say of when our last day is. And we tend to think we do. We tend to push, right? I'll wait. I'll wait to serve the Lord when, like I said, all those other things. Don't wait. Answer the call. The Holy Spirit's knocking. Answer the call. Because you just don't know. And there's a scripture that probably paints this the best. In Luke 12, if you would, take a look at it with me. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And it's Jesus. Whoo, good old Jesus. I love you, Lord. I thank you for speaking today. Luke 12, 13 says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, I love that. Jesus said, man, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he says, and he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of the rich man produced plentiful. He thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, listen to this, 19. Like I said, there's a self-convincing that people do. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night, your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. Jesus gives us a very, very big warning, not only against money and power, but let's be honest, a lot of us spend our lives chasing these things. And a lot of us spend our, our time saying exactly what this guy said, I, you know what? I'm going to spend some time doing what I want to do. It's about me. I'm going to get mine. I finally get it. And there's nothing wrong with retirements and, and vacation homes and anything like that. It's wrong when it's in your heart. You don't know when it's your last day. You just don't. And don't play games with God's grace. Don't play games with the, the mercy and the graciousness of the Lord as he even says, you fool. He assumed so much and lost it all. Now, if that's you in here, I'm gonna say a prayer with my fellow Christians and we're gonna just pause. If that's you and you've been putting God on the back burner, you're not answering the call, you know it. You just know it. You're just like, I want to do this and I want to achieve that and then I'll get serious about the Lord. If that's you, all I want you to do is ask the Lord Jesus in your heart. When you close your heart and your, or your eyes and your, your mouth, you're just going to say, Lord, help me not be this guy. Just kind of that, just a simple prayer. That's all, you, that's all I would ask. And now for all of us in here that are following the Lord and we're seeking and you know people in your life that are doing this, I want you to pull them up in your heart and in your head. And I'm gonna, we're going to pause and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for them. Pull them up and I'm going to pray and you just agree with the Father. You have a praying church right now. 
And we're all praying for the lost people or the distracted people or the deceived people that are just putting you on the back burner. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would do what he does so well that great conviction would come right now. Great, strong, fresh conviction. Draw them to the cross. Draw them to life. Help them to see clearly. Help them to not deceive themselves. If there's a demonic assignment on those that we're thinking of or praying for, break it right now in the name of Jesus. That they would know, Lord, that you love them, that they would have a healthy fear of the Lord and turn their life over to you and seek you while they can find you. Father, I ask that we would live a life that's sensitive to your spirit, even this week, that we're not shy about the gospel. Those of us in here that are Christians now, Jesus, I'm just asking you that we would not, that we would understand what we're playing for here, that we would care about the lost neighbor and the lost coworker. We'd care about the lost family member, that we wouldn't be so busy and bogged down with our schedule and our agenda that we forget that the why we're really here Stir our hearts for salvation of, the, of, of our neighbors. Stir our hearts to pray again, to ask again, to seek for their salvation, their well-being. Put us in the right conversations and then give us boldness to speak up and share truth. Make the gospel plain. Let us live in a way that people ask, why do you have peace? And help us to share the truth. Jesus, from this very prayer, from this very moment, let many, many souls come to know you. I ask believing, Lord. I ask believing. You said ask and you'll give it. I'm asking believing. We're asking with faith. We're praying, Lord. We'll have testimonies from this moment. And we'll be urgent and ready. In Jesus' name, amen. If, if you're one of those folks that's like, man, I got to, I got to run to the altar, meet Jesus. Come and call, talk to me afterwards, please. We'd love to talk more, pray with you, et cetera, et cetera. All right. I had to say that, felt led to say that. And I said it. We'll use it, Jesus. All right, now go back to Colossians. Take a look at Colossians. I'm going to, now this is more for the believers in the room that are followers, that we're, we're all, we're, maybe we're the devoted, we're, we're not trying to play the game, we're in, but we're still in a fight too. And so Colossians gives us some real challenging truths uh, to work through. And I want to kind of move through this somewhat quickly. Um, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Let's take a peek at that. If then you have been raised with Christ, saved, knowing, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where Christ, uh, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What it is is, you know, guys, when Jesus carried the cross and died and he, you know how he was up there and he, he said these words, it is finished. He meant it and it's been finished since then. That's why we're in the church age, the grace age, the calling, the harvest, right? Come to the Lord. But Jesus is done. His work's done. That's why he's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't have more work to do. Now he is interceding for us, Scripture tells us, and he's doing that and, and of course, leading the church as he does because he's the head. But the work of Christ is finished. And that's what you're seeing here. So the Christian, uh, Paul's trying to help Christians to grasp, we're seated with God. That's where you're at. When you're in Christ, you're going to be there forever. But now you got this, you, got, you know, you didn't just get saved and then go, go hang out with Jesus in heaven. You got saved and now you're, in your, you're still in your life and you're still working through this flesh and you're still dealing with a lot of stuff, aren't you? I am. And so that's sanctification. That's the process of growing and the Lord does these things. But he's like telling us to think, think. So in the spirit of seeking, I want you to look. Seek the things that are above. Okay, okay, Paul, I see that. Seek the things that are above. What do you mean? How do I seek the things that are above? How do I seek the things that are in Christ, with Christ, through Christ? Verse two, set your minds on things that are above. Oh, set your mind on things that are above. 
and not on the earth. It seems simple, but it's incredibly hard, isn't it? Because here's the thing. You can set your mind on things that are above, but life will have a tendency to bring you down here. Temptation, evil desire, selfishness, pride, human, all these things are still among us and in us. And another version says they lurk. They're like hiding. And the next thing you know, the flesh pops out and says, hey, okay? They're lurking, they're in you, and they're a battle, and it's on. So seek the things that are above by setting your mind on God. Um, one of the things I want you to notice is this. Whew. Verse three, for you have died. Uh, Amanda and I got to talking about this in the, between services, and this one, I'm, I'm bigger into this. The older I get, the more I preach, the more I find this to be the reality that Christians sometimes are, are wrestling with or ignoring, or maybe they got into a church or a type of Christianity that didn't preach this. Three, for you have died. For you have died. Luke 9, 23 says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. One of the ways you seek the things of God is dying to yourself. Have you died this week? Here's the truth. I heard a song this morning. And it's so true. It's so simple, but it's so profound. The truth is this. You will trade on that day that David sang about. I love that. That day when we meet Jesus. You will trade a cross for a crown. And if you have not carried a cross, you will not receive a crown. Nobody, want, nobody likes to talk about this. Well, what do you mean? No, you must deny yourself and follow Jesus to get, you gotta, you gotta get out of the way to get Jesus. It's the gospel. It's the truth. And any other message that says, oh, you don't have to deny yourself. You can do what you want and just trust that God's grace is enough is a lie. It's not true. And that leads people to a false sense of security and a false God that, that is a false gospel. And therefore they spend 20 years thinking they're a Christian, fruitless, not spirit-led, not knowing their scriptures, not hungry, not convicted. And the next thing you know, they reproduce themselves and everybody's muddled down here and they're just Christian on Facebook. But there's no, there's no death. There's no killing of yourself. There's no conviction. One of the things, I have a friend that's, that, that I've been working with who's, who's working through some addiction. And one of the things, uh, they, they stumble. <laughs> they stumble because Christians stumble. Life's hard. This flesh is real. Temptation's real. And they stumble. And I told Heather, one of the things that I'm so encouraged with is they had conviction. They felt bad. They, they're not all condemnation. No, 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 I'm not talking condemnation. They knew they were in Christ but they knew the life they were choosing was sin. They knew I am loved by Jesus and I am positioned with Christ. I am a new creation and there's nothing that can take me away from his love. But when I do this, when I lust or look at porn or struggle drinking or do this thing, this is not God and it must die. How are you doing? How are we doing seeking the Lord? Are we denying ourselves? Are we crucifying our flesh? Are we doing the things that God himself did? Jesus did it for you. He says, ask, seek, and knock. One of the reasons is, is because he's asked so much for us and he's seeking us and he's knocking on our heart. So we get this relationship with him that we ask and we seek and we knock. But if you're not willing to deny yourself and crucify your flesh, then you're gonna have the biggest, hardest time walking in any fruit that Christ has for you. Amen? Yeah, geez. You, I told you it was a hard one. I just said it, guys. I, I, I love you. And I just, the Lord, man, he just keeps working on me more and more and more. Just tell him the truth. Just say the truth. You got to deny it. Mm. Anyways, so now I want to go into this teaching that's called the put on, put off principle. And I have this really cool red jacket is the put on, put off principle. Put on, put off principle is for Christians. And it seems weird, but it's like, it's in there. So I want you to do this. We're going to finish with Colossians, but look at Romans 13, 11 through 14 with me. Romans 13, verse 11. 
Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. There it is. You'll see this put on, put off principle. Paul says it in Romans, Ephesians, and Colossians, and we're going through them. But he's like always trying to wake up the church, and that's what I'm trying to do is stir up the church. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That's cool. Either he's returning or we're dying. So something cool. We are. That is a very true statement. 12. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. There it is. Like, Paul's like trying to tell the church in Romans, like, hey, listen, guys, know what we're dealing with. Know the times that we're in. Be aware of what's happening in front of us. And it's close. Our Lord's return is close and it's imminent and he will come back. And when he does, are we going to be those people that said, no, we were participating in the works of darkness. No, he's saying, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as the, in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. He, lo- he lists sin. I love this with Paul. He's like, it's kind of like, you could have just said the sins of the flesh, all right, or the, these things. But no, he always goes through a list. And it's like, because we need lists. <laughs> well, is this okay? Well, you know, he didn't say this, so I think I could do, you know, and I love how he just gives us lists and like, boom. Put it on the list. And he says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So I get rid of me. And I, I told the, 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 the church early, earlier, just, I, this is kind of the big idea. You wake up in the morning and what's your prayer life look like? Right, if we're dying daily and if it's a daily walk and we're pursuing God as we should, daily bread, all that, I should wake up in the morning and recognize that there's a Jeremiah that puts on himself and there's a Jeremiah that needs to put off himself and so recognize that. So I start to pray. I say, Lord, help me to deny myself, to deny my flesh, to deny the desires. Holy Spirit, I know in Galatians, you tell me if I walk in the Spirit, I will not obey the desires of the flesh. Holy Spirit, you live inside of me. Give me power to crucify the desires of my flesh. Give me power to kill, to crucify, so that I would walk like Jesus and produce like Jesus in my life. This is the put on, put off principle. This is why it is. It's not just to beat a bunch of Christians up and say you all stink and you're all in sin. It's to teach us to get rid and get on. Get rid and get on. You can do it. Make no provision for the flesh. So some of us, it's like if we're honest, we're like what we watch, what we listen. I'm guilty of this. God's sanctifying my, my, my TV time right now. He's working on me. Music, I can feel it. The more I pray, the more I'm like, oh, Lord, I really like this show. But he's sanctifying And he's telling us through Scripture, you see this. He said, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And if you're not willing to say no to some things, then the flesh is going to be really hard to say no to. When you're feeding the flesh, it gets stronger and more powerful. And you're like, I just can't seem to stop X, Y, Z. You've got to kill it. Don't play with it. Don't entertain it. Don't occasionally just, well, I kind of, and that's the other thing. You've got to realize and face this. I, when, I, when I deal with, especially men with pornography addictions, you've got to face this reality. You enjoy it. Well, you love Jesus, you're a Christian, and you, yeah, that's why it's tempting. Drunkenness, you enjoy it. Being nasty and mean, you enjoy it. I like to be money hungry, I want mine. See, well, well how do you, how you be a Christian? No, you gotta be honest. These things are part of who you are pre-Christ, and you desire them, you want them, you hunger for them. That's why we gotta kill them. That's why we can't, li- make no provision for the flesh. Face the facts, you are I, I do this in my life. And in Christ, I know I'm, the, I'm, I'm with Christ. I'm good, all that. But I have to face that when I wake up, there's a guy there that can be a dirtbag if I don't crucify him. Amen? All right. Dirtbags, amen? Thank you. All right, help me out. <laughs> Work with me here. All right, Ephesians 4. Turn over to that. Once again, he busts us with this put on, put off principle. Ephesians 4, verse 20. And then, remember, under the banner of pursuit and seeking God. 
20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. There it is again, another, another, you learn Christ. It takes a while. People are supposed to be teaching you. People are supposed to be in your life showing you how to walk and live and love and serve and die to self. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There it is again. The put off, put off, put off, put on principle has to do with my mind and what I'm setting my mind, my eye, my dream, my focus on. Do I have the mind of Christ? 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your, your minds. Are we renewing our minds? How do we renew our minds? Washed by the word. Put the word in. Put worship in. Put truth in. Put godly podcasts in. It can renew your mind. CNN, Fox News. These don't renew your mind. Getting hung down with with political, uh, does not renew your mind. Not, Not that I'm down on your news stuff. Got a lot of friends that listen to it. I don't care. But make sure you're renewing your mind. Put God things in the mind so you think godly and it's real try it try it if you don't believe me try this take the experiment try to cut out all secular i don't i I love some secular music i just do but try it try to clean up your movies try to do these things try to watch how you talk try to the people you're around and ask the lord don't just do it in your you know religious don't turn it religious don't be judgy but spend time with the holy spirit and just really sanctify these things and see if you're not praying more, feeling more joy, more peace, less anxiety, try it. What do you got to lose? Take the challenge. Amen. I am, and I'm seeing it, and I'm crying a lot more. And you're like, boo, we don't need this guy crying anymore. All right, so 24, where are we at? And put on the new self, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. There it is. Put off, put on the new self. Amen. Now, let's go over to Colossians. And we'll start landing this plane. Colossians, I want to read 5 through 11. And then I'm going to talk about it. This is the put off part. And he's very clear. And he says a lot of things. And if I'm honest with you guys, I can check some boxes in here. I can check some struggles in this list. And I bet you can too. Okay? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And he's very clear. Everybody, guys, this is the reality. Like, we got to be different than the world because the world's getting judged. In Christ, we don't do what the world does. And he's, there is a judgment. There's a judgment for the sinner. Amen. Anyways. But now, uh, okay, no, on six. I'm kind of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. In these, now, if some of you were raised in a Christian home, you're kind of like, I really never really walked in deep sin or whatever. But what I would like to say is this, the sanctification process, if you're serving the Lord for any amount of time, I would like to think you could look at the wake of your life and see, I used to struggle with anger, but I don't as much. I used to struggle with jealousy, but I don't because the, the Holy Spirit's been working this out of me. I've been growing. I've been reading. I used to study, struggle with lust or insecurity or this particular you know, uh, addiction, but I don't anymore. We grow. We're sanctified. We're transformed as God does. And of course, what he's really saying at its very core is there's a pre-Jesus you and a post-Jesus you. And those of you that got saved older, you can say amen. And you should. And you should thank God for the, unless you haven't changed, and then we have another conversation. You need to listen to the sermon. But it's like, there's a pre-you and a post-you. And post-you is crucifying and dying. Amen. All right, and he says, but now must put them all away. Put them away. Stop, guys. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, 
Some of these are church. I always thought about this. There's, there's sins that if somebody came in here and they were drunk, we'd all know it. They could smell it. But some of them come in here with the spirit of gossip or slander. And boy, you know, this is a church problem. All, well, you can just, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm four people. I just tear them down a little, you know. I'm part of the prayer team. So, I just, you know what I mean? There are church sins that don't get brought up as much. And you got to watch out for those. In your own heart, I'm not just telling you to watch out for the people. No, I'm, I'm watching everybody. No, watch out for your own heart. Are you tearing the church down? Are you tearing the elders down? Have you judged the worship team? Have you judged people in this church? What are you saying? Don't act like God didn't hear it. Don't act like he's not hearing when you say these things. Ah, these guys are... We do it. We grumble. We complain. We tear. Be careful. Put off. Get rid of it. Do the right thing. And I'm guilty of it because let's be honest, we're a difficult bunch. I think that's fair to say. I'm not saying it behind your back. I'm saying it to your face. You're all difficult. No, no, it's just people are tough. People are people. We have different backgrounds, different opinions. We even look at scripture sometimes differently. We have different preferences towards worship. We have different preferences for what we do as a church. And you can quickly find yourself. I'm terrible at that cobblestone, people. I don't like how Andrew, I don't know. Amen. 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 He's right. You know it. I'm just talking, I'm telling you, I've been around church world my whole life and I've participated in it. And the longer I hang out with scripture like this, I crucify it because it doesn't produce Jesus in my life. And let's be honest, we don't need more criticism. We need prayer. We need people who are willing to go to serve each other, live it out and love each other and hold each other to a standard, a biblical standard. Anyways, moving forward. Uh, then he says in verse 11, Having put, well, verse 10, having put on the new self, which is being renewed, do not lie to one another. We do lie. We have a tendency to lie. Don't lie. Seeing that you have put off, I'm going back up to nine. Sorry, I'm trying to get this done. Um, put off the old self and its practices. There it is. 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Notice how it's being renewed. It's not a one and done. So if you feel convicted by all that I'm saying, praise God, you should be. Nobody in, I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord, you are not batting a thousand. You're failing to some degree. So be encouraged. We're a bunch of failures and God is good. Amen? It's okay, but that's the big idea is that's what's the point here. It's we're being renewed. It's a process and you will make a mistake. You will say something you shouldn't say, think something you shouldn't think and act in a way that is not godly. Well, Andrew said this last week and it's true, but repentance is a gift to the church. That's why we do the communion thing. You examine yourself. We preach hard, we say stuff, but you gotta be the one that examines yourself before the Lord with the power of the Holy Spirit and you confess and you get free. And it's, guess what? Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, year after year, you'll start looking in the back and you'll be like, I'm not like I used to be. Isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus, that he doesn't leave us. But it is a process, so be encouraged. We're all in the process. Be encouraged. All right, 11. Here there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all. This one is tough because I'm gonna just be honest, it was racism. And in their day, we, we have some racial issues for today. No doubt about it in our country. We all know it, it's a thing. But in their day, oh, nobody knew how to be racist like the Jews. Nobody knew how to be racist like the, you guys, the Jews, the Samaritans. I'm going to walk a billion miles because those half-breeds, right? So it's in their DNA. Then you get the Italians, the Greeks, and these different. And let's be honest, that's what he's pointing to there. When you start to put on and put off, you start to put off even your heritage. You start to think, look, I, it doesn't matter what I was raised in. I'm a Christ follower now. It doesn't matter. My bloodline is Jesus's. And we have to think like that. And that, that's difficult because let's be honest, we're not all unified. And you guys know what I'm talking about. There's difficulties in these things, but this is the reality of scripture. It must be said, it must be received, and it must be worked through. Ask yourself, do you have this kind of heart? Are you for, now I even put it a little bit different. Maybe you're good with the race situation. You've got no issues, you've got no pride. And it's about taking pride in who you are, or what color you are, or what I... Where's the pride? Serving Jesus is not being proud. 
suddenly it's like, well, no, I can be proud about Jesus is all, only, and everything. It's just true. Anyways, we take pride in our economic situation. I got a lot of degrees. I got a lot of, I'm a PhD and I do all that. If you're a PhD, that's how you talk. I don't know, but you don't, I'm just kidding. But we do, and it's great to have high education. It's great to be a doctor. It's great, just don't have pride in it. It's great to be a business owner, have success, have millions of dollars. Just don't take pride in it. Serve. Bible tells us elsewhere, if you have this world's goods, it's so that you can distribute to the saints. The rich in here, you're called to be rich so you can help everybody. The poor, there's there's place for you too. So you can say, buddy up next to that rich dude. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just messing. Um, but you really, we got to watch this because education, while I hang out with the smarter people, I don't like how he talks. I don't like, I don't like they live on the wrong side of the town or they go to this. Or they, be careful. Political pride. Oh, it's real now. I don't want to go to a church if there's a lot of Democrats. I don't want to go to a church if there's a lot of Republicans. I, is it real? It's real. Scripture's calling us out. Let it repent. Put off. Be real. Let the Lord change us in these things. Amen? All right. A couple amens on that one. Whew. All right. I want to go into 12. Now it's the put on part, and then it's the close. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness. Gosh, (laughs) so much dissension in the church and in my life could be just resolved if we would just be kind. Just kindness. Just kindness to the waiter, to the waitress. Kindness to the the neighbor. Kindness when when you're the, the, the road rager. Let's be honest. I struggle with that. I ain't got kindness for that guy. Humility. He just drills us kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. Man, we get our feelings hurt, I peace out. I'm done. I'm done with this church. They were mean to me. Nobody said hi to me. I pastored for a while, and I had a person tell me they weren't friendly enough to me at the first time, so I'm kind of offended. I had somebody one time tell me, Andrew, and Andrew's not the most friendly of guys. He's just not. He's, he's my friend. I love him. He's not the most people person. But I kid you not, dude told me, Andrew didn't say hi to me when he walked by. I'm kind of offended. This is not a makeup story. This, is, this guy's not in here, but it's, and he's no, guess what? People like that, they end up peacing out. That's a problem. And now Andrew needs to be friendly. I need to be friendly. You need to be friendly. We all need to be kind. And Andrew wasn't being a jerk. But I'm like, if you know him at all, he's just, he's just get to the A to the B guy. I'm the guy that works the room. He doesn't. Like, hey, hey. I walk into a restaurant. Is there any church people I need to say hi to them? I don't want to, hey. I don't want to think I'm mad. It's a real thing in pastoring and leading. We've, we, oh, I don't want people to feel like just because I looked angry at Heather, oh, their marriage is trash. Right? I'm just, just being transparent with you. But, but this is the, the reality. Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, bearing with one another. And if one of the, the is, has a complaint against another, which we do, and we will complain against each other, forgive each other. How? How do I forgive? It's the same old thing because you're forgiven as the Lord has forgiven you. Always remember who you are in Christ and it'll help you love everybody that's difficult. It just does. Uh, You must forgive. Above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The perfect harmony. Oh my gosh, when I read it, I thought, I don't know if I've ever been in a room where there's perfect harmony. Like, that's next level love. That's something we could all start agreeing and praying for, that cobblestone would become perfect harmony. Jesus, give us this. It's in Scripture. But they, they, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Right there's another one. I just underlined it. If you're like, sometimes you're, if you'll just pause and be thankful for what you do have, you will be just so much more joyful. Now, this is the final thought. Because it's like, dang, Paul, you kind of beat us up a little bit. But he really gives us uh, 15 through 16, and he ends with, how do you get better? How do we grow out of these things? How do we transform out of the put off and the put on? 16. Let, let is the key word. Let, don't resist, don't fight. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it, 
What that tells me is the word of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit is wanting and eager to do a work in you and on you. You have the gate. Let it. Sit in teaching that changes you and challenges you. Be around people that live godly. Let that stuff soak in who you are. Let it. Let the Holy Spirit work on you. Isn't that good? Um, and then the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I, I, I believe this. I said it first uh, service, and I'm going to say it here. If, if you don't know, some of you spend time studying doctrines and whether tongues is for today or not, and you're studying election and you're studying revelations, and I'll be honest with you, you need to spend more time studying Jesus. What did he say? If you call yourself a Christian, you should be able to recall what Christ said in his ministry. Christianity 101. Before we jump to all the other stuff, spend some real time learning the Sermon on the Mount. Learn his parables. Learn his teaching. Learn what he said. Learn who he is. And know it. Memorize it. Just that way. Because when you have that, and then you start to do the other studies, which are good and right, you'll always have Christ. And that's kind of the big idea here. Let the word of Christ, what did he say, dwell in you richly. Now he says, teaching. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And it doesn't just say for elders, pastors, and leaders, so on and so forth. Teaching. Some of you got something to teach. You got, you got friends that are listening, teach them. You got family, teach. Admonish. Admonish is not a super high five word. If, you know, we like, to, you know, the, the positive encouragement radio stations, everything in Christianity, the last two decades has been, it's got to be positive encouraging, right? I ain't going to listen to it. That's not biblical. Admonishing is, 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 it really means to reprimand, to advise. You're wrong how you treated her. Your marriage, dude, what you think. And I mean, this is the stuff that happens in small groups and communities and these little breakout things that we, I went through at the beginning of service. Be willing to listen and hear. Be in community. Let people talk to you in that way. But understand, and for some of you, you got to get more bold. You got friends that are living in ways that you know they confess Jesus and you just need to bold up and have coffee with them lovingly, with wisdom, talk to them. Call them out. Hey, dude, can I talk to you about X, Y, Z? I notice you've been drunk a lot. I notice you're getting drunk a lot when we're together at parties. Can we talk about it? Well, I don't think it's a sin. Admonish and teach. That's what it's for. It's for you guys. It's for me. Teaching and admonish one another in all wisdom. All wisdom is key. If you don't do it in wisdom, it will not go well. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A lot of times, I'm, some of us are more tilted towards worship. Some of us aren't. But all of us need to understand singing and worshiping is part of following the Lord. And whether or not it's your style or not, if it's like preferential gets in here, well, I'd sing if they'd sing the song I like. I'd sing if David wasn't up there. This is real talk. Sing because God is good. Put me in a Baptist church singing hymns. I promise you, I've done this because I used to speak at Young Life at different churches. I'll even raise my hands in churches that don't like it, really. Not always rebellious. I'm not trying to be, but I'm just trying to say, hey, look, I'm going to worship the Lord the way I worship the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's my nine-year-old singing. That's beautiful. Stop getting so hung up on what you think, what you want. Does it say that? Sing hymns with thankfulness as long as it's your worship team? As long as it's, 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 it's your team, your group? Maverick City, oh, I'll listen to it. Stop it. In Jesus' name, stop it. And let's do better. Not that there's a giant problem with that. Don't, you know, honestly, I, you, guys are, you guys are amazing. <laughs> You're like, you already said it, Jeremiah. No, 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 no. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. Hymns, spiritual songs, singing is a part of it. Worship is a part of it. 17, this will stop everything in its tracks, if you'll just listen to 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
Gosh, I love you guys. I hope you feel that. I know it was a hitter. I know it was had some heavy, um, but Rich told me, he's a fellow elder. He's like, man, sometimes you just got to say stuff. And I want you to know we love you. But there, the Bible says some stuff. And if you're in here, uh, worship team, go ahead. You will close. I'm going to dismiss for the kids, but I know it probably went a little long. But also I had someone tell me, don't apologize. I don't know. I got to test that. That might not be wise, but... Listen, we do love you. God loves you. For some of you, you might've been on that fence. The salvation part, don't miss it. That's more important to me than anything. Don't miss the knock. If the Lord was calling you, answer it. Come talk to a prayer team person. Come talk to me. Find an elder. We'd gladly talk to you, pray with you. Don't put this off and think that you have, you know, buku time. Father, I thank you that you are gracious to us, that you are kind to us. I thank you that you have given us the ability to put on and put off. I thank you that you speak to us so profoundly and good through your scripture. I ask, Lord Jesus, that this message would just soften hearts. Heard it said once, Lord, that hard messages make soft hearts. And so, Jesus, I just am trying to obey and trust. I pray you cover, cover everybody in here, Lord. Give us good weeks, protect us, help us in our family. I know we're busy. It's a busy season. I know there's a lot of traveling. Bless, bless, Lord. Cover, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Unite us, Lord. Unite us, Lord. And like I said, and I believe this, Jesus, give us a fresh outpouring of your spirit, individually and corporately, in Jesus' name. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless you.